There's a big part of me that just wants to keep hitting gongs all night. (laughs) Partly because the little kid in me just wants to hear sounds and play with them. But also, I want to to, uh, emphasize, I want to... I want to just keep, um, for some reason, the expression "killing your mind." I I want to keep I I want to keep um, reminding you that the nature of your mind is free. Over and over, no matter how much you think that you are bound, no matter how much you think that you are that you are somehow insufficient, uh, not enough, dissatisfied, all those ways that we think about ourselves, you are at all times, although perhaps unaware of it, you are, your intrinsic nature is free. And that that sky-like nature of our mind is, is always available. It's, and it is unconditioned and unconditional, which means it's always there, so you, all you have to do is turn to it. And all the qualities that we long for are, uh, the qualities we most long for are inherent, are natural to, uh, to that, um, to our freedom. They are part of our nature. Love, caring, joy, equanimity, gratitude, generosity, discernment, clarity. These are not things that you become. They're qualities that are, that are natural. But we don't even know the extent to which we have settled for less. We don't even know the extent to which we have um, become bound up in what I call a case of mistaken identity. Bound up in our bodies, our bodies quite tight and contracted, bound up in our mind with an incessant um, sense that I can't be happy now, an incessant um, tendency to live in our imagination of the past which is gone and the future that's unborn, a pretty incessant tendency to be in a, in a state of um, evaluation, of comparing, of commenting, of criticizing, of judging, mostly ourselves and others. We don't even know the extent to which these, what we could call habits of mind, they're not our mind's natural state, but habits of mind, they've become what we call normal. It's normal to feel shitty. It's normal to to be comparing, to be in competition with our own ideals, with others. It's normal to, to be in a, in a state of 
of, of desire. It's normal not just to have the wholesome desires of connection, love, the wholesome desires to express ourselves to our fullest, to express our deepest nature. We go far beyond that and keep a pretty much a running commentary of what I need and want to be happy. A running, a running tally of golden dreams that just keep being moved. And, of course, our culture just tells us to keep them moving. I, I often read that passage from Sogyal Rinpoche where he says, We've, this is a culture where it's all about making people happy. But in fact, our habit is to deprive ourselves or starve ourselves from the source of real joy that, um, that actually makes it really hard for us to believe that happiness is even possible, that it's possible to be free. We pretty much think we're stuck. How many of you have thought about being feeling stuck today? See, it's, it's pretty, just, I'm glad that many people raise their hand because you're not alone. This is our view. This is the, our habitual view. This is what the Buddha called self-view, a view about ourselves, Sakaya Ditti. And it gets fed again and again by, uh, by not seeing it. We don't really even see how much we are, we are, uh, are bound up in a case in that case of mistaken identity. And the reason we don't see it is because from the from beginningless time we've been uh, we've just swallowed a lot of misinformation. And we basically come from another generation that that raised us of that's also filled with the three poisons in their lives: greed, hatred, and ignorance. So every one of us were born to parents who were greedy, filled with ill will and judgment. They may have had, they had the same Buddha nature, the same intrinsic vast nature as you do, as we all do, but yet every generation seems to have been trained in uh, wanting what I don't have, not wanting what I do have, best is always yet to come, we live in, in hope and fear. And, and then our parents and our grandparents, they, were, they were, had frustrated desire, and their pride was continually getting shaken and rattled because life never lives up to the fantasy. Those golden dreams, because they keep moving, nobody, everybody just keeps reinforcing a sense of dissatisfaction. And then that dissatisfaction gets projected onto the children, you, me, and then the children are, end up, the parents try to live vicariously through the children, trying to make the children into their image, of their ideal image, and then, oh, and then a child just abandons their own intrinsic joy to try to make sure that they keep their parents loving them. And so they abandon, they, you've heard the, it's, there's a beautiful book uh, called uh, The Drama of the Gifted Child or Prisoners of Childhood where, where there's a tendency to just uh, 
to lose ourselves in trying to please other people, trying to especially please the parents. So we have a generation after generation of, of all of us trying to fit in, trying to be loved, trying to be accepted, trying to be enough, trying to get somewhere, when nearer than near, nearer than our breath, our own nature is just waiting this open secret, this vast sky-like nature of our mind, this boundless quality of goodwill just, re- just waits to be unleashed. And so at some point, as I think I, at some point in the span of our life, that little kernel of that some faint memory comes that, uh, that there's something more than our little internal drama. And we start to, the light comes on a little bit, we start to wake up. Please let me find what I'm looking for here. It's this passage I've, from Peter Matheson who describes what happens to us. Oh, here it is. It says, Growing up soon, the, the child's clear eye is clouded over by ideas and opinions, preconceptions and abstractions. Simple free being becomes encrusted in the burdensome armor of ego. Not until years later does the instinct come that a vital sense of mystery has been withdrawn. The sun glints through the pines, the heart is pierced in a moment of beauty and strange pain, like a memory of paradise. After that, we become seekers. Now, unfortunately, after that we become seekers, as our hearts open, as, we, as the gongs help us unfurl our minds and our hearts, the gong of wakefulness, the gong of, of, of our pain, of dissatisfaction, which ultimately becomes our path, whatever the legacy, whatever the residue of, of, of contraction and pain that has been left from living so much in the imagined past and future, living so much in the constricted view of ourselves, in the constricted sense of possibility, the pain of that actually gets more intense initially. We actually feel worse than we did before. <laughs> Any of you notice that as your practice has opened? This is what Francois Fenelon said. If I can find Francois tonight, sometimes these things just show up so easily. And sometimes they don't. Looks like I have to let that one go. Essentially, he says, when, uh, when the, the light comes on, we see ourselves as being a lot worse than we thought. <laughs> and we're, we are horrified at, the, at the, all the creepy crawlers, all the terrible things about ourselves, all the hate and all the desire and... and, uh, and this, and he basically says, don't worry about this. It's, uh, 
the clearer this is that it really simply means that the brighter your light is becoming, not to fret about that. Or as Bhante Gunaratna says, somewhere in the process of meditation you will discover, you will come to the realization that you're completely crazy, that your mind is a shrieking madhouse on wheels barreling down a hill, hill uh, utterly out of control and, and helpless. He says, don't worry about this. You're no worse than you were yesterday. <laughs> it's always been this way and you never noticed. So we have to be able to laugh at it. But it is no, it's no picnic to open to all of the, the, um, all of the encrusted, all that encrusted conditioning of, of thinking being so certain that there's something wrong with us. When in that open sky, which you are, in the immediacy of your meditation, when you don't, when you are momentarily free of memory and hope, when you're simply awake, there is, there is no evidence in any of us. There is no evidence for any of the ways that we describe ourselves. There's no evidence for insufficiency, no evidence for for any of the ways that we so inaccurately characterize ourselves. And so Rumi says, why do you stay in that prison when the door is so wide open? Come out of the tangle of all your thoughts about things. Live in silence. Discover, as as I wanted to uh, title my stray thoughts tonight, discover a new normal. Because normal is actually really confused and deluded. Normal doesn't have to be. Normal should be your true nature, wide awake. Your, Your capacity to instantly, regularly, it's within, totally within your power here and now to fall in love instantly with everything and everyone. It is possible to, to, be, uh, to live wisely, to take care of yourself. To, the new normal should be to, when you feel the pain and constriction of your own mind, when you see how crazy it is, that you say, oh, you poor dear, and love yourself up. Instead of saying, you idiot for being so mentally ill. You should say, you are the most adorable, lovely creature that has ever walked this earth. And I care about you. Not get over yourself. You should be different than the way you are. No, not that. You just, you start learning how to meet yourself and everybody with caring. Because your mind has returned to its natural state, which sees that all beings are the, are, have inherited this completely wacky karma of having, of a world that is just feeding greed, hatred, and ignorance in every moment. And so instead of seeing everybody, including the politicians we hate the worst, (laughs) we see them as heirs of their karma incapable of being any different up to this point, and deprived of love 
deprived of, of knowing themselves. And so keep, keep wandering, as one lama put it, keep wandering endlessly astray in this vicious cycle of either hating people and thinking that'll make you happy, or getting stuff and needing to have power or name or fame and thinking that'll make you happy. We should feel compassion for our own pride and our own inflation. We should feel compassion for our deflation because every one of us, no matter how high we fly, we just fall that much harder. As I learn again and again. So with that, it's within our capacity to love that, to accept ourselves just the way we are. So I often say here, there's really no path to enlightenment. Enlightenment's your home. But the path, if there's a path at all, it's simply to, to see what it is our mind is doing and then love it up. Be, be kind to ourselves. Meet it with, with loving awareness. We just, um, I just, there are few people here tonight who just came back from the, from the desert where we went out to the desert farm. <laughs> there was, I was leading a, along with several of my colleagues, a nine-day retreat in the Southern California desert. And this, we made a particular intention to, to describe Mindfulness, instead of using, we use the word mindfulness, but instead of exclusively using the word mindfulness, we use the word loving awareness the whole time. Developing loving awareness or reawakening loving awareness. And it was amazing how a little, a little extra loving kindness mixed in with noticing had, uh, had such a softening effect on people's attitude and then really allowed the hindrances, all the difficulties, what we normally think is, is just normal, it allowed them to, to turn into the path, to become the cause of compassion, to become the cause of wisdom, to become the cause of letting go. And so we, this is all, that is the path. It's not going anywhere. It's just, it's just clearing, clearing, letting all of the serpents rise to the surface all the demons, all the pain, and laughing at it, loving it, and seeing, ultimately, uh, the, the common characteristics of everything that comes through our mind, everything we've thought ourselves to be, everything we've, we've dreamed of. It's all arising and passing away. Everything that I take to be me and mine, this body is arising and changing. Moods are arising and changing. Thoughts are arising and changing. None of it is really self. I can't hold on to it. I can't, I can't, I just rent this body. I just rent this mind. I just rent these moods. They come and they go. They're not me. They're not mine. And I, and through just the noticing, the, 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 the light of my mind, the light of your mind gets brighter and brighter and it just starts, re, starts remembering itself. It remember, we just remember, right now, I'm, there's, nothing, there's nothing about me in this moment that is, um, there's no evidence for limitation. Unless I have the thought, I'm limited. So let's just drop the thought for a moment, that I'm limited. Drop the thought that I'm stuck, 
I'm in transition, that's a big one. So most of the ways that we describe ourselves are really about our situation, not about our nature. And we tend to mistake those two. So drop the transition for a moment. Drop the stuck. Drop the hopeless, the helpless, the not enough. Drop the I should have, I could have, I would have. Drop tomorrow. Drop yesterday. And drop even today. Drop now. Drop then. Drop thereby, therefore. And see what you experience. Without, we're not creating anything, we're just removing all the false ideas. So I'm curious what anybody would say about themselves in that little space between memories and plans, views. Please. I can't fix my past because it doesn't exist. But it like suddenly just in a way I never had until that moment I was completely free and I hadn't had that free since I was a kid because it was there was no past. There was no most importantly no past. So how can I fix it? Yes, how can you fix it? Great. Marvelous. So how about right now? Well, you you know, it comes back. What is is there something back right now? Well, Mother's Day is really intense. I'm talking about right now. I'm not talking about your situation. I'm t- no, no, there's not. There's, <laughs> not. there's nothing right now. There really is. And it, it's, is that, um, does that seem sufficient? Yeah. <laughs> no? <laughs> you get bored. Get bored with what? You need a little drama? (laughs) That's really a great insight. What it is that fuels our misery is, I get bored. See, what we do in our practice is we notice boredom. And instead of building a monument to excitement and then leaping out of the present reality and having some excitement for a few moments and then having it go away and get bored again, and then do it again and again and again, and jump on the wheel of samsara, we, know, we recognize boredom. We feel bored. And we then recognize boredom is just another weather front. And then we don't have to wait until the excitement ends to feel, or until we're excited to feel good again. We just... Yeah, like a little kid. And as a little kid, I was very bored. So your association with little kid is bored. No, a lot of kids associated with little kids. I remember one of the times being a little kid, I was very bored. And if I get bored, it's like, watch out. I can stare like a piece of a board is like... Bored is like the plague. But yet, 
that's partly what has has uh, had has, has sparked enormous compulsive action is boredom. When <laughs> look at our world is is born of boredom, but boredom is actually a sign of. It is the sign that you are that you've stopped running away by running after the next pleasurable experience. Boredom is a if you follow boredom to its root, you'll find complete peace and freedom. Not depression. Not depression. You'll find peace. One second. This is I think this is what you were referring to, the teachings of Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj. It says, What's the difference between happiness and pleasure? Pleasure depends on things. Happiness does not. Things are experiencing. Then why are we not always happy? As long as we believe we need things and experiences to make us happy, we shall also believe that in their absence we must be miserable. Mind shapes itself according to its beliefs. Pleasure is a distraction, for it merely increases the false conviction that one needs to have and do things to be happy, when in reality, it's just the opposite. Real happiness is best expressed negatively as, there's nothing wrong with me. I have nothing to worry about. After all, the ultimate purpose of practice is to reach a point where this conviction, instead of being only verbal, is based on actual, ever-present experience. Which experience? The experience of being empty, open, uncluttered by memories and expectations. It is like the happiness of open spaces, of being young, of having all the time and energy for doing things, for discovery, for adventure. Your true home is in openness, nothingness, in emptiness of all content. True happiness has no cause, and what has no cause is immovable. So it is so close, we can't believe it. It's too wondrous, can't believe that either, that it's really the nature of our hearts. It's too easy. We simply need to stay right where we are, wide awake. And it's, it's just so vast, like the sky. And it's your own natural state right here. So all of our practice is to see moment by moment, what is it that I'm mistaking for freedom and happiness? The way the Buddha put it is, what actually keeps us from seeing ourselves, our true face, true nature, is the mind continually in a state of desire for what's next. Desire for things, for people, for situations, for becoming, the desire to, to shut things down, to go to sleep. And he didn't stop there. He said, there's an end to that that craving, that constant dissatisfaction. And the end is the experience of letting go, 
is finding a new normal in being just as you are. Not having to be. Do you believe that you do? Most of us don't even know that we can be free. We've just, the, the normal has been to be miserable. And yet, what we learn over and over again in practice is it's, it's natural to let go. It's more painful to hold on. It's more work to hold on. Please. A revolutionary moment. Would you do it with the microphone so other people can hear you? And I think you're going to, you're going, beside me saying goodnight, you're, you've got the last word. Wow. You? Um, I was making hot cereal this morning, and I was realizing that I was in a rush, and that it was before 9 a.m., and that I was absolutely miserable because I was behind schedule. Hmm this schedule that I make up for myself that had nothing to do with reality. And suddenly I realized that breakfast would always be miserable if I had this thought that I was behind schedule. And I just dropped the thought, and I realized that I make myself miserable with these thoughts of, you better hurry, there's other things to do, get this eating over with, get get on to the next thing. And there was just a little crack that came through that I think is exactly beautiful what you're talking about. I'm not quite sure how long I can hold on to it, but it, it was quite amazing. Well, you can't hold on to it at all. You okay. just have to. <laughs> then that's good. <laughs> you have to. You have to. You can let go of it, but try to notice it the next time too, if it comes. Yeah. And then in between, notice when it's not there. Notice all the moments when you're not wanting things to be different. All we do tend to remember are the times when we're miserable. We have a, our mi- brain has a negative bias, you know. But w- but what awakening is is also is knowing when something's present like that, and then noticing what it's like when it's absent. Yeah, so cool, that's quite amazing. beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So may we all find the new normal, free, open, loving much more devoted to truth than to uh, what's next, present rather than the imagined past or future, Um, open-heartedness instead of hatred, ill will, frustration, Uh, clarity instead of confusion. These are all just natural to us. So but you have to practice. You have to practice. Please, Cindy. When you felt a surge of happiness? Just a random surge of happiness. A random surge of happiness. Yeah, emotional happiness. You were able to notice a surge of happiness. I feel happy, and I know it won't last. I know it passes out, but let's enjoy it while it's here. Let it, let's so enjoy I, it. I've never reacted to that before. I always, um, I, I've never really noticed it before. I've never kind of noticed it when it passed. Um, Beautiful. 
great, an opportunity to appreciate the, the gladdening, the glad states of mind that, that flow through. Exactly. Thank you. So let's just sit quietly for a moment and just, just tune in to, if you can, to the sky-like nature of your mind. And let it be instead like a boundless ocean or a boundless heart encompassing all the oceans and all the beings, seen and unseen, as though the whole world is within the nature of your own heart. And then let your heart be filled with the deepest kindness, radiating the deepest wishes that you have for yourself. Let them flow toward all beings everywhere in all circumstances. Because I think this is what our hearts really want most, is for all beings, not just ourselves, but including ourselves, for all beings to be happy and to know peace, to know a sense of safety from inner harm and a safety from outer harm. We wish that so deeply, and we just keep radiating that wish, that friendliness toward all beings. And we continue with a deep wish that beings can know as much health and strength as possible, deep wish that people can find the serenity to meet their limitations with grace, and a deep wish that all beings can find that natural ease of well-being and not go out in search for it, but to return to this vital point to stay where we are, to bring our life and our work and everything into our practice of being awake. May all beings find the new normal of liberation, freedom, and may our practice today and every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all beings. Thanks for your practice. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for your generosity. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.